Thank you so much for tuning in. This is the Doctrine of Christ live stream happening regarding repent and return. My name is Jacob Isbell. Even though you might see it spelled there on your screen with the IS lowercase b, it is actually IS capital B-E-L-L. I do a, I do a Disciple of Christ channel on here as well, and I've uh, taught on here two times before. It is great to be back with you. This is going to be the primary message from the days of Adam and Eve until our day. It's the subject of repent and return. So there's a couple of gurus who are working things from behind the scenes. If you can please show my screen going on. This is going to be a focus on four specific questions regarding our repent and return. First question is repent. Hey, Jacob, make that much bigger for the, the audience, please. It's going to be a whole lot bigger. Here we go. So with the technical difficulties, we're just ro rolling with the flow here. Question number one is repent who me. Question number two is repent of what? Repent of what? Question number three is going to be repent or what? What's going to happen? Think about that threatening. Repent or what? You and what army? Question number four is repent how? There's big things right there. So I do want to do a little bit of setup. It's the setup that I do pretty much every single time when talking about our current situation. Think about the title page of the Book of Mormon. Going right over here, the title page, and I told the brethren, going, uh, let's go back one more. I'm going I'm to share with you verbatim what it is, and I told the brethren that the Book of Mormon was the most correct book of any on the planet that a man would get closer to God by abiding by its precepts than by that of any other book. Now, it is with that in mind that we want to consider our, our situations today. Um, I'm guessing that most of you who are on here are familiar with the Book of Mormon. Start 600 BC. This is the time of Jeremiah in the Bible. Ezekiel is even a contemporary. He spent years in the Babylonian exile after the destruction of Babylon. And we also have Lehi. Some things that I want to make sure that I set up every single time this is the Lord's people. They are a special covenant people with a long history of prophets, a long history of prophesying with lots of scriptures to their credit. The religious leaders are the most respected and powerful men in the entire city. The temple of the Lord is in the heart of the nation with sacrifices happening both day and night. Long history of God intervening miraculously on their behalf. There's religious traditions that are part of feasts that are happening throughout the entire year. You can say accurately that this is a nation that lives a religion, and they are dedicated to it. All kinds of traditions. Yet what's about to happen? They are about to be destroyed. So now we have to ask ourselves, who's being called to repentance today? We know that the Book of Mormon is starting off with the people in Lehi's day and Jeremiah's day. You need to repent and turn to the Lord, or you are not going to make it. Is that what we are meant to wake up to this very day, repent and return or else we are not going to make it. There we go. That's why I wanted to do make it bigger. So first question right here, repent who me, we need to understand who are the Gentiles, the book of Mormon and the Bible, the new Testament, it's referring to the children of Israel. And it shows the pattern of how the children of Israel were giving every single opportunity to repent and return to the Lord until they lose their opportunity until at the end when the first shall be last and the last shall be first. There's a pattern that's described inside of, inside of our scriptures. We're going to find that pattern in Doctrine and Covenants section 84. It is a warning to the Latter-day Saints using a pattern of old to say, wake up, Latter-day Saints, because you're about to re repeat the same exact pattern going on. We see. In verse 23 of section 84, the Latter-day Saints in 1832 are being warned, you're about to repeat the same pattern that was done by the children of Israel anciently. In September of 1832. Now, what was told and warned to the, latter, to, uh, the children of Israel anciently? Moses planted out the children of Israel in the wilderness. He sought diligently to sanctify the children of Israel that they, the children of Israel, might behold the face of God. When we talk about repent and return, this is a key phrase of what that culminates in. Behold the face of God. 
but they, the children of Israel anciently, hardened their hearts and could not endure the Lord's presence. Therefore, the Lord in his wrath, for his anger was kindled against them, swore that they would not enter into his rest while in the wilderness, which rest is the fullness of the Lord's glory. Penalties happen. The prophet Moses, who had the Melchizedek priesthood, was taken out of their midst. The lesser priesthood continued, but the holy priesthood, the Melchizedek priesthood, was taken away from the children of Israel anciently. Now the Latter-day Saints are being warned, this is about to happen to you. How do we know that? Because there's key words that we must know in answering this first question right here. Repent who me? We're talking about the Gentiles. Now, I remember in my young years, my dad even tell me, uh, you're not going to date a Gentile girl, are you? And that was the term that he used for saying any girl who's not a member of the church. So I grew up with that concept. It hasn't been until much more recently that the scriptures open up with all new eyes. And when we hear the term, the Gentiles, most of the time, I would venture to guess above 80% of the time, it is talking about Latter-day Saint Gentiles specifically. Do we have certain keys inside of the scriptures that teach us that plainly? We have Doctrine and Covenants, Section 1. Excuse me. Let, me. let me go back here. 109. We know from the title page of the Book of Mormon that the Book of Mormon is coming forth by way of the Gentiles. There's another witness inside of the, the dedicatory prayer of the Kirtland Temple. Joseph Smith prays once again, letting us know that, O Lord, we have spoken before thee concerning the revelations and commandments which thou hast given unto us who are identified with the Gentiles. There it is again. So again, repent who me? That's, we now know that we are the Gentiles. So who's calling us to, the re, to repentance? Is it the Lord here in our day? I'm going to give two key scriptures that help to identify that right now. We know from Doctrine and Covenants section one that the whole world is commanded to wake up. But let's go back even a little bit more. Old Testament times, we know that Isaiah is meant to be understood in the latter days because everything that Isaiah wrote is going to be happening in our day. Think about what is told us by the Savior Jesus Christ in 3 Nephi 23. Everything that Isaiah wrote has been and shall be. We've got specific things, specific people who are being targeted here. Hear ye, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox, keep that in mind, knoweth his owner, and the ass, his master's crib. But my people, but, but Israel doth not know, and my people doth not consider. The ox is a, is a clean animal. It has the split hoof, and it chews the cud, and it's identified in the Old Testament as a clean animal. The ass is not. This is symbology that's used to say, the children of Israel, as well as the Gentile. Is there another confirmation of that principle? There is. I'm going to take us to there. I'm opening up inside of the Book of Mormon. So what we read in the words of Isaiah, as the Lord says, the ox and the ass identifying the Gentile and the Jew, we're going over to the Book of Mormon. Third Nephi, chapter 23. And in here, the Lord says, search these things. A commandment I give unto you, that ye search these things, for great are the words of Isaiah. He spake concerning all things concerning my people, which are of the house of Israel. Boom, there's the first one. Therefore, it must needs be that he, Isaiah, speak also to the Gentiles. And here's the key one. All things which he, Isaiah, spoke have been and shall be. This is the big one right here. One of the big principles that we need to understand, repent who me? These patterns are given to us in the scriptures because they represent our day. Think about how many times and for how many years, decades, we've been told the Book of Mormon is written for us in our day. 
But do we take the question seriously? So who's being called to repentance? As a young missionary, I tended to think it's all the people who are not members of the church. It can't be me. But we remember in Lehi's day, there's a people of the Lord who have the temple in the heart of their city. They've got religious observances. They've got generations of it going on. And yet they're about to be destroyed because of their wickedness. Okay, so the Gentiles are being targeted. And that's us. Let's go to this next question. Repent of what? So if we are the Gentiles, if we are being called out, being shown, look at the children of Israel anciently upon this North American continent, a covenant people of the Lord, how they were destroyed because they would not seek the Lord like the children of Israel anciently in the days of Moses. Now it's the Gentiles' turn. Are you going to learn from the lessons of Israel proper so that you might repent? Well, repent of what? Here's the big thing. That happens. I love to use the Book of Mormon to answer the question, repent of what? I love it. In 3 Nephi, chapter 1, there's the signs given regarding the birth of Jesus Christ, the day, the night, and the day, as if it were one day. Yet not too many years later, people are hardening their hearts. Great wickedness is happening. In times of great wickedness, there will be a commensurate amount of righteousness and spiritual power that begins to judge. Even though in now in chapter 7, we're seeing that the chief judge is murdered, the government is destroyed, the people are divided into tribes, yet there's people who have great power and given unto them. The regulations of the government were destroyed because of secret combinations. We won't be getting into politics, but I know that most of those who are willing to tune in to a broadcast like this are aware of how the storm clouds have gathered, indicating that our government is about to go through the same sort of collapse. They cause great contention. The secret combination, but let me go forth to the light where the Lord starts to manifest his power. Nephi was a man who was dedicated to the Lord throughout all of this. It came to pass that Nephi, having been visited by angels and also the voice of the Lord, therefore having seen angels and being eyewitness and having had power given unto him that he might know concerning the ministry of Christ and also being eyewitness to there, the Nephites quick return from righteousness to their wickedness and abominations. He was grieved. He went forth boldly and taught repentance and remission of sins through Jesus Christ. Hey, there's going to be something specific that we are being required to offer. So Nephi had great power. There was the light that he had. He could not be disbelieved. He had miracles that would happen among them. Even though Nephi was going out and had great power from God, there were but few who were converted unto the Lord, but those who were converted did truly signify unto the people that they had been visited by the power and the spirit of God, which was in Jesus Christ in whom they had believed. Here's some of the evidences that they truly had repented. As many as had devils cast out of them and were healed of their sicknesses and infirmities. Are we dealing with devils and infirmities these days? Did truly manifest unto the people that they had been wrought upon by the spirit of God and had been healed and they did show forth signs and do some miracles among the people. Small amount of people. There were few who were converted. Let's fast forward a little bit. Third Nephi chapter eight. We've got the darkness that happens. We've got three days of complete darkness. The earth won't hold still. People can't light a fire. There's destructions, and everybody is completely aware. Sammy told us this would happen. After the days of darkness, it's still in the midst of that darkness. A voice calls out to them, telling us how we are to repent. Keep in mind, this is the voice of glorified, resurrected Jesus Christ calling from the heavens. His, verse, his voice was heard among all the inhabitants of the earth. And even though I'm about to read the names of some cities with which we don't really know exactly where they were upon this continent, imagine, if you will, if these cities are saying Salt Lake City, Boston, New York, Orem, Provo, because that might be very well what we are facing. And Jesus Christ says, woe. Woe, woe unto this people. Woe unto the inhabitants of the whole earth, except they shall repent. For the devil laugheth, and his angels rejoice because of the slain 
of the fair sons and daughters of my people. And it is because of their iniquity and abominations that they are falling, that they are fallen. Behold, the great city of Zarahemla have I burned with fire. I'm going to skip forward a little bit. The great city of Moroniah I've sunk in the earth. The great city Moroniah have I covered with the earth, the inhabitants thereof to hide their iniquities. The city of Gilgal have I caused to be sunk. The city of Oneida and the inhabitants thereof, the city of Mokum, the city of Jerusalem, all of their wickedness I am hiding before my face. And the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his righteousness says, These cities are gone now. The inhabitants don't exist anymore. And he calls out and he tells us how we are to repent. O ye that are spared, because you are more righteous than they, will ye now return unto me and repent of your sins and be converted that I may heal you? Yea, verily I say unto you, if ye will come unto me, ye shall have eternal life. My arm of mercy is extended to you. I go forward. verse 19 they're being told your temple sacrifices that have been your practice for however many generations i will not accept it ye shall offer no more the shedding of blood yea your sacrifices and your burnt offerings shall be done away for i will accept none of your temple sacrifices the lesser law that you were obeying like the children of israel i want none of it and jesus christ says ye shall offer up for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and a contrite spirit That's our end of the covenant. Here's the second end. Whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, him will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. So repent. Repent of what? The children of Israel anciently would not seek the face of the Lord. We are to repent of that. Think about the description in Exodus chapter 18 to where Moses is about to go up to the mountain and receive what later became known as the Ten Commandments, even though there was more. Some of it was taken away because the children of Israel couldn't live it. When the children of Israel said, Moses, you go up and be our prophet. Just tell us what God says because we can't handle it. That was them choosing condemnation. and They lost the higher priesthood. Same thing happened to the Latter-day Saints. There's a timeline that we should be familiar with. I'm going to give reference to it. The document inside of Doctrine of Christ Uh, put together by Mark Curtis and others working very diligent to put together the timeline, shows very clearly the Lord called his church in these latter days the Church of Christ. And in 1832, the Latter-day Saints were warned, similar to what I shared with you. I'm going to go specifically to the the condemnation that the Latter-day Saints were told. Because they would not take seriously the everlasting covenant in the Book of Mormon, they were told that they were under, under condemnation, And that condemnation rests upon all, every single one. Forgive the slowness of my computer. This was kind of a last little bit making a change of venue. The Latter-day Saints are told specifically what they are to repent of. Section 84, verse 54, and your Latter-day Saints' minds in time past have been darkened. Because of unbelief, there's something to repent of. And because you have treated lightly the things you have received, which vanity and unbelief have brought the whole church under condemnation. I wish to say a couple of things regarding unbelief. When we read in the scriptures and we see the great working of miracles, whether it's Jesus Christ or his disciples, whether it's happening before the time of Jesus Christ, during or afterwards, do we believe that that applies to us? If Nephi of old is raising his brother from the dead, Casting out devils, healing people of their sicknesses. Does that apply to us today? If we don't believe it, we are required to repent because of the unbelief. You've treated lightly the the things that you have received. Verse 56. This condemnation resteth upon the children of Zion, even all. And they shall remain under this condemnation until they repent and remember the new covenant. What is that new covenant? We just read it in 3 Nephi chapter 9. The Lord says, I don't want any of these old observances that you're doing in your temples, these animal sacrifices. I'm done with it. The Lord says, offer up unto me your broken heart and contrite spirit, and I will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Unless that happens, there remains a scourge and a judgment to be poured out.
upon all the children of Zion. We're seeing the staging of it right now. There are some who say things are already pretty bad with the COVID conditions and the response from our government, when the reality is we haven't seen anything yet. The voice of the Lord is reaching out to people on a very, very personal level to awake and arise, to actually believe the covenant that's in here and follow it. So there's that question. Repent of what? We have to repent of our unbelief. We especially have to take seriously the new and everlasting covenant, offering God our broken heart and contrite spirit. Repent or what? We covered a lot of that. In Third Nephi chapter 8, the voice of Jesus Christ is heard. Well, excuse me. In Third Nephi chapter 9, the voice of Jesus Christ is heard saying, these cities are destroyed. Well, what else is going to happen? I love to do this. Um, it is a, a joke among some friends that are close to me. How much I love to say, when's the last time that you've read Isaiah chapter 1? The reason I go there is because the Lord knows there's the habit of his people. (laughs) If they're going to read the scriptures at all, they might read the first chapter and give up not long after that. So Isaiah chapter one is one of the instances in where the Lord puts everything up right at the beginning. So if you want to know, repent or what? It happens right here. The children have rebelled against him. So what's going to happen? They've forsaken the Lord. That's, That's of what? They are to repent. Stop forsaking the Lord. Will you be stricken anymore? There's no soundness. Now, repent or what? Here it comes in verse 7. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned. Strangers are brought across by hundreds of thousands every single month, and they will devour your country in your presence, and you can do nothing about it. What happens to the daughter of Zion? She's left like a cottage in a vineyard, like a large in a garden of cucumbers, a besieged city. It's going to be so bad that except the Lord of hosts has a small remnant return, it would be completely desolate, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. What is the status of the rulers? Well, ye rulers of Sodom, what is the status of the people? Ye people of Gomorrah. And the Lord answers, your sacrifices, your burnt offerings, I don't want any of it. Who's required this at your hands? Don't bring it anymore. Repent or what? When you stretch forth your hands, The Lord will hide his eyes. When you make many prayers, the Lord will not hear you. Your hands are full of blood and required to make ourselves clean. Put it to the test and see if the Lord will not heal us, which he promises that he will, that he will. Now, in connection with these two questions right here, repent of what and repent or what? As Latter-day Saints, I venture to guess, I really do mean this, by the standards of the world, The Latter-day Saints are some of the best people you're ever going to find. For the most part, the members of the church that I've known throughout my life in general, they're honest in their dealings with their fellow men. They don't cheat or steal. I mean, we all all know that there's going to be some people who are so filled with the Babylonian aspect of things. I even think about my mom. She's convinced that, hey, I'm already a good person. What about all of those who are following that? Do they qualify for this destruction? I don't want to say they. I want to say we. We add ourselves into this question. Are we a part of it? Now we have to ask ourselves, are we actively seeking the face of the Lord? Because the opportunity is given to us. Doesn't matter if we're bringing cookies for ministering visits. Doesn't matter if we have our temple recommended and we're singing, singing in the choir. Are we actively seeking the face of the Lord? Well, what's the offering that we are meant to give? He might say unto us, just like he said unto the children of Israel anciently, and all of it repeats today, I do not want your vain oblations that you're offering in your temple. I don't want any of it. I'm sick of it. Who's commanding you to do it? And just like in 3 Nephi chapter 9, the Lord says, do away with it. I want from you your broken heart and contrite spirit. For most of my life, I felt like I'm dedicated to the church. And that meant, in my mind, an equal sign, which means I'm dedicated to God. What happens when somebody offers their broken heart and contrite spirit? We know that they're baptized by fire and of the Holy Ghost. There's an example that will tell us whether we have received this for ourselves. I'm going to the Book of Mormon. Inside there, I'm going to the Book of Messiah. And first, I'm going to chapter 3. Because 
King Benjamin lines up very clearly what it is that we are required to offer unto the Lord. In learning our lost and fallen state, we have to recognize that the natural man is an enemy to God. He has been, and he will be, since the fall of Adam forever and ever, unless he or she yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit. We put off the natural man and become a saint through the atonement of Jesus Christ and become as a little child. Now, are we talking about childlike humility? If it's just a matter of I'm following the religious program around me, are we exercising more faith in Jesus Christ if we're exercising just the same level of go with the religious flow of any Baptist or Catholic or other people who are dedicated to an institution that teaches a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or do we become like a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love? Are we willing to submit to all things which the Lord sees fit to inflict upon us, even as a child does submit to his father? King Benjamin taught his people the words that were commanded him by an angel, testifying of the ministry of Jesus Christ and telling his people, you're lower than the dust of the earth. And it penetrated so deep in their hearts that when King Benjamin sent forth his servants to take inventory, write down the notes, how have you received these words? He, King Benjamin, sent among them, desiring to know of his people, if they believed the words which which he had spoken unto them. And they all, the whole nation who were able to be a part of this great gathering, they all cried with one voice saying, yea, we believe all the words that thou hast spoken unto us. We know of a surety of their truth. Because the spirit of the Lord omnipotent, which has wrought a mighty change in us and in our hearts that we have no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. And we ourselves, through the infinite goodness of God and the manifestations of his spirit, have great views of things which were to come, which are to come. And were it expedient, we could prophesy of all things. And it is the faith which we have had on the things which our king has spoken unto us that has brought this great knowledge whereby we do rejoice with such exceedingly great joy. And we are willing to enter into a covenant with our God to do his will, to be obedient to his commandments in all things that he shall command us all the remainder of our days, that we do not bring upon ourselves a never-ending torment. And he has spoken by an angel that we may not drink out of the cup of the wrath of God. These are the words which King Benjamin desired of them. Therefore, he said unto them, ye have spoken the words which I have desired. And the covenant which ye have made is a righteous covenant. And now because of the covenant which ye have made, ye shall be called the children of Christ. I would ask of you, when's the last time that you've heard somebody teach that? That we are to be sealed as the children of Christ. His sons and his daughters, for behold, this day he Christ has spiritually begotten you. For you say that your hearts are changed through faith in his name. Therefore, you are born of him and have become his sons and his daughters. And it is under his head, under this head, that you are made free. There is no other head whereby ye can be made free. There is no other name whereby salvation cometh. I would that you should take upon you the name of Christ. All you that have entered into a covenant with God this day. King Benjamin taught them accurately the new and everlasting covenant. Last question, repent how? We've been hitting it. There are false traditions we are required to abandon. I would say probably most pressing right now is the religious observances which have simply become tradition. We are required to recognize we are not doing what God is asking us to do. What does he ask of us? The broken heart and contrite spirit expressed by King Benjamin's people. This isn't a one-and-done type great sermon. This is the culmination of people dedicating themselves to the Lord and being willing to enter into the covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and being sealed to Jesus Christ. There's more that happens after that. I'm not going to take it upon myself to expound upon that because that is such a frequent theme that here on the Doctrine of Christ channel that is hit upon. It is essential. Repent how? Offer yourself unto the Lord in the condition that you are in right now. I've been very dutifully not made this about my own personal experiences. I wish to only bear my testimony right now. 
First, repent. How? We, pre- we present ourselves to the Lord how we are right now. I love the words that are in Second Nephi chapter 31 with no hypocrisy and no guile. I've had my ups and downs in, in this life. By the standards of the world, I would be considered a very, very, very good dude. Since my teenage years, been going out with the missionaries so regularly to the point to where other people were just amazed at it. And I don't say that to brag. I say it because when I learned about Jesus Christ, when I had my come to Jesus moment at age 15, almost 16, I became convicted of my sins. When I made the dedication to follow Jesus Christ for the rest of my life at all perils, the more that I would read and the more that the Spirit would teach me of the truth of Jesus Christ as the Savior of of all mankind, for some reason I knew that doesn't apply to me because I'm too lost and I'm too fallen. And I felt that if I were to spend the rest of my life helping out the missionaries, baptizing my friends, Maybe I can live after this life somewhere close to where my family might be able to come visit me. Because salvation in the kingdom of God, I just did not believe applied to me. And I carried that weight upon my shoulders for years without telling anyone. There was a sacred experience in which I heard the voice of the Lord through one of his servants giving me a blessing. Which finally told me, and I heard the Lord's voice through this servant, that the atonement of Jesus Christ does apply to me. And I believed it. The weight fell off my shoulders, and I realized I'm meant to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, fast forward to age 39, living in North Ogden. There are certain things that I realized the Lord was asking me to give up. I placed a very, very high value upon being recognized as a leader in the church and in my ward and in my stake. There were such nice things being said about me. People, uh, stake president even saying, look at the things that – that President Isabel was is doing because I was the elders quorum president of my ward. And I knew that I had to testify of truths, which led me to understand more accurately what the new and everlasting covenant is. I testified of it the way that I, sh- the way that I should, knowing that, hey, there might be bumps in the road as a result of this. I received what I, did, I, what I didn't recognize at the time, a baptism of fire experience. It was not yet. I'm still seeking for it. The baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. But because of the experience that I had, I have felt the miracle that happens when one receives a remission of their sins by the infusing of the light of Christ and receiving a baptism of fire. The desire to sin was completely burned out of me. I had none of it. I could hear the voice of the Lord throughout the days ahead. And it was it is still affects me to this day to where if I were to simply contemplate it too much, <laughs> it causes me to weep because I desire to receive that level of the spirit once again. I bear, I'm going to end by bearing my testimony that the gospel of Jesus Christ is true, that we are to wake up like the people of Jeremiah's day and Lehi's day were commanded to but would not. We Latter-day Saint Gentiles must repent and return to the Lord. I bear my witness that the Savior, Jesus Christ, extends his hands to us. Repent who me? You betcha. Repent of what? For having abandoned the Lord and not seeing his face. Repent or what? The destructions are already decreed. The Lord Jesus Christ has let us know there's going to be destructions like we've never seen before as we prepare for the end time scenarios to play out. Repent how? Offer your heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ, your broken heart and contrite spirit. Then what? You're baptized by fire and by the Holy Ghost. You can speak with the tongue of angels. You could prophesy of all things like the children, like those who were sealed under Christ in the days of King Benjamin. I bear this witness to you and thank you for your time in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, I appreciate you tuning in. I'm sorry for the late start that did happen today. It was technical difficulties. It is a different scenery that you're seeing behind me. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or dad jokes, You can put them inside of the comment. There's even a link if you would like to be able to jump on the call and ask some questions. Let's do a little bit of this. Mark, I'm looking for questions that may be on the screen or inside of the chat or if there's somebody who who does wish to come on and ask these questions in person. There we go. 
Repent and return. Isn't that fundamental? Hey, hey, repent means return, doesn't it? Yeah, it is straight from the Department of Redundancy Department. It is such a key item that repent and return, it is meant to be one right after the other. And that's something that I've learned more. Just uh, since the beginning of 2020, the manner of prophesying among the Jews uses repetition and uses patterns, uses chiasms and different things that are a certain word structure to focus on the same thing. So the repetitive, redundant nature is by divine design. I, I, I don't even want to say divine design. It is by design knowing that we mere mortals need some repetition. Very nice. Spencer Smith, repent and return. Yes, it's redundant because we need it and we need it and we need it. Hope that was redundant enough for you. Comments, questions, concerns, or dad jokes. <gasps> There's one that I got to share with you. I, I forgot all about this. Spencer Smith, is there proof that the Gentiles being referred to actually mean LDS, or does it mean the Gentiles are a broader group? Sorry, I was distracted. Does it reference LDS specifically? So there's certainly no place inside of the Book of Mormon that says the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But let me get into some of these clues in answering this. Does it mention the LDS specifically? There's some big clues that that is who's being referenced. In regarding the last days, I'm going to go to the heavy-hitting done by Moroni. Moroni is taking over after his father Mormon leads after the, the prophet Mormon leads his people into battle, they're dead. Moroni takes over saying, I'm taking over the words of my dad because he's dead now. But he Moroni can prophesy of all things because he has received this baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. Moroni says, why have ye polluted the holy church of God? Who's he speaking to you? He says, I speak unto you, reading these words, as if you were present, and yet you are not. But behold, Jesus Christ has shown you unto me. So who's he talking to you? Those who have polluted the holy church of God. Why are you ashamed to take upon you the name of Jesus Christ? So those who would claim to be the holy church of God, they have great need to repent. Are there other clues that identify the Latter-day Saints specifically? Well, we've got the Holy Church of God inside of there. Let's go over to 3 Nephi chapter 16. And it's, it, I'm not going to be doing it here. Maybe I'll share it on my own channel. But there's a dream that I had which, with cowboys and an Indian that taught me more about it. But I'm going to share 3 Nephi chapter 16, verse 10. This is one that gets more specific about the Gentiles and which Gentiles are being uh, identified. Rob Omasel, Joseph Smith. Yes. Uh, so that's one that we shared, Rob. You should have been paying attention earlier. Section 109, I think it's verse 60, to where Joseph Smith identifies the Gentiles as the members of the church. Here's one specifically regarding the Gentiles and their need to repent. Mark this one in your scriptures. Third Nephi, 16, going over to verse 10. I'm going to put a specific insertion inside of there, and I'm going to challenge you to, to say, hey, Heavenly Father, I heard somebody make this insertion with the word Gentiles in the Book of Mormon. Is this accurate how I'm to understand it? Because I don't want to be teaching my opinion, but I do know it doesn't say the word specifically Latter-day Saints. We have to understand by the Spirit, is this accurate? And thus commandeth the Father that I, resurrected, glorified Jesus Christ, should say unto you, at that day when the Latter-day Saint Gentiles shall sin against my gospel. What? And shall reject the fullness of my gospel. We're talking about a group of people who have offered to them the fullness of the gospel. In fact, they can't sin against it unless they have it. It is a group of people who has the fullness of the gospel. They reject the fullness of the gospel. They're lifted up in the pride of their hearts above all nations and above all the people of the whole earth. Sorry, it just keeps doing this thing. And shall be filled with all manner of lyings, deceits, mischiefs, murders, priestcrafts. I'm going to skip down to the end. I will bring the fullness of my gospel from among them. So which group? can qualify as this. Who has received the fullness of the gospel? We do know that only a small percentage of those within the United States have probably ever had Mormon missionaries inside of their home. So who had the fullness of the gospel? It is the Latter-day Saints. And this is referring to a specific time in church history. Some of the, the, some of the points that we plotted out in here a little bit, but it's much further in depth on the, on the Doctrine of Christ website, how, when, and why the LDS churches were condemned 
It'll give you the detail to where 1830, it is the Church of Christ. 1832, they're warned, you're about to repeat the pattern by the children of Israel anciently, lose the Melchizedek priesthood and go forward with the lesser priesthood. The redemption of Zion did not happen. A few months later in general conference by unanimous decision, the the Church of Christ is now demoted to the Church of the Latter-day Saints. After the assassination of Joseph Smith, the new and everlasting covenant is changed by those who took over the church to polygamy. And for 30 plus years, it was polygamy or damnation, polygamy or damnation, polygamy or damnation. If we were to go over to Doctrine and Covenant section 132 right now, we would read the doctrine of them having many wives and concubines, referring to it as the new and everlasting covenant. So who are the Gentiles that sinned against the gospel, reject the fullness of the gospel, have changed the ordinances and the everlasting covenant? It's the Latter-day Saints. So... We do have Joseph Smith teaching it directly in Latter-day Saint scripture, and we have the Savior Jesus Christ identifying a specific group of people. If there is somebody who thinks that there's a more appropriate interpretation of it, I'd be very interested in it. But I'll let you know that this is one of the big culminating call to repentances or call to repentance from anybody, and it's from the Savior Jesus Christ to the Latter-day Saints. Hopefully that was enough. Hopefully I hit that. Um, Sasha Grove, so what is the difference between a baptism of fire and the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. Phenomenal question, and I'll use just my own example as a result of it. So January of 2020, I testified to my elders' quorum that Joseph Smith was never a polygamist. Holy crap, people grabbing their faces. I knew that the Lord wanted me to. I felt like the Spirit guiding me and studying this. I realized if I were to do such a thing, that can actually put in jeopardy my standing in the church, which I valued incredibly. But I did testify the very next morning, I received the following, and I'll, and I'll just give it briefly. I felt the Spirit tell I, I popped up out of, my, out of that bed right there behind me. And I said, good morning, Heavenly Father, because it felt like he was right there next to me. So what I'm about to share is my baptism of fire experience and how I came to understand that it was not the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit says, kneel down. I kneel down. The Spirit says, give thanks for this. And I begin to give thanks. And I feel the vibration happen in my body from the inward part of me. And the spirit says, give thanks for this, give thanks for this. And one right after the other, I'm being told by revelation, everything that I'm to give thanks for until I feel this intensity fill my body. I feel a vibration that's going out the side of my arms. And the spirit says to me, now ask for this. And I'm being told my sins. Now ask for this. And I'm being told how to ask forgiveness, how to ask for strength. And with everything that I'm asking for, I can feel this vibration go throughout my whole body. And it's probably given me a couple minutes in a row, one after the other. There's not a single thought which I can recognize identifying from my own mind, but being given to me one after the other until I feel it from my heart, all out my arms. Even right now, I'm getting goosebumps on my arms again as I simply re recall this experience. It feels like it's going out the tips of my hair, the end of my beard, my arm hairs, my toes and everything else. Until the spirit says, end in the name of Jesus Christ, which I do. And I stand up and I would think an outside observer would see the physical trembling of my body. And I felt such an intensity of the love of God towards me personally permeating me. The only thing that I wanted was for that love to reflect back to my maker. Some of the specific things that happened, I was receiving incredible insights in studying the scriptures and going about my day-to-day -day work, even trying to secure a Babylonian paycheck, it felt like 500 times a day when I would say my simple prayers, offering my mind and my heart to my Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, should I do this? Rather than trying to work it out with my mind the best and see if, it's, if that's what I'm supposed to do, I would recognize an instantaneous communication guiding my actions. I had... No desire to sin at all. And it's not like I've got big, grievous sins, but those that are common to many people, no longer tempted by the, the pretty curvature of ladies that would walk on by. I literally waste no time watching YouTube stupid guitar videos where I'm watching uh, fuzz pedals or anything else. Zero time watching politics or the news cycle. And I'm having missionary experiences every step of the day. Hey, I didn't know what it was that was happening to me. All that I knew is, something different happened. For those of you familiar with video games, if you have a character and once he goes through certain levels, he might level up and get more experience points. It felt like I went up five spiritual levels simultaneously. When that experience ended, it wasn't like it went back down to reset. It felt like it went down 
three, three levels. I was still better than I was before. But I will say this, when that baptism of fire experience ended, it is to this day, by a significant margin, the greatest sadness and the most profound feeling of loss I have ever experienced. I wept in my car wondering, Heavenly Father, why can't I hear your voice anymore? It was for, and and I'm trying to keep my emotions in check in recalling this, but I remember in my car calling out, Heavenly Father, why can't I hear your voice the way that I have the past few days in a row? And I long to be with him. Second part of the question, what's the difference between a baptism of fire like the one that I had and the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost? Second part, the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. Let me give some other key words that you can find in the scriptures and look up for yourself. Um, the second, uh, the, Another comforter as described in John chapter 14. It is the spirit that will bring all things to your remembrance. It happens when Jesus Christ presents our offering of a broken heart and contrite spirit to the Father. It is described in John chapter 17 as Jesus pleads for his disciples. Jesus does it again upon this continent in 3 Nephi chapter 19. As the disciples that were chosen, Jesus pleads for them and the Holy Ghost falls upon them as a fire comes and surrounds all of them. It is the one-time ordinance that was described in what we read a little bit ago in Mosiah chapter 5 to where we can and should have baptisms of fire regularly where we recognize I'm purged from my sins. My desire to sin has gone because of the miracle of the light of Christ entering into me and purging out the sinful nature that I have. The baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost is when we are sealed as the sons and daughters of Christ described in Mosiah chapter 5. I'm going to end my explanation there. Sasha, I hope that's clear. I'll just recap one more time. Baptisms of fire, the light of Christ comes in this. We recognize that we're purged from our sins. The baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost is when we are sealed to Christ. We'll recognize unmistakably the tongue of angels and other things. They are part of our lives then. Kaija, I hope you're saying, uh, I hope I'm saying your name right. What are some examples of traditions of our fathers we must offer to the Lord in order to grow closer to him and be on track to receive the baptism and of the Holy Ghost? Tithing, temple work, Christmas presents. The reality is this. We have to learn it for ourselves. And here's when it stuck out even more this very day. So I, I traveled today from Cedar City up to Ogden area where I live. I live in North Ogden. During that travel, hit play on First Nephi chapter 1. So in answer to what are the traditions we must give up? Lehi, <laughs> who's well-to-do in his nation, realizes the Lord has shown me these things when he pled on behalf of his people. He went out and testified. Y'all going to be destroyed until they mocked him and planned his assassination, and he's led out of there. What stuck out is Lehi and his son Nephi, they're saying we're being blessed because we've obeyed all the commandments of the Lord to this point. When they say we obeyed the commandments of the Lord, they're not referring to I read the scriptures and I followed the Ten Commandments. They're saying we heard the Lord give us specific instructions and we followed it. So what are examples of traditions of our fathers that we must give up? You've got to learn it. I'll give some things. In the days of Lehi, their temple observances were dead works. Oh, have you felt any promptings to that effect? Have you taken it to the Lord? Heavenly Father, I'm spending this much time doing this. Is this what you want me to do? Or are we repeating the same thing that's described in 1 Nephi chapter 1 as well as Isaiah chapter 1? Your temple observances are recognized by the Lord as dead works. He wants your heart and spirit and soul instead. Okay? What about tithing? Well, I love uh, Hemlock Knots puts together a, uh, a timeline regarding tithing. Learn it for yourself and just say, Heavenly Father, well, I'm going to give you a principle to follow regarding this. Most commonly, if we are seeking to hear the voice of the Lord, we may feel a prompting that grows. And that's a good way to help us distinguish between our own minds and things that are growing from the Spirit. We might even specifically say in prayer, Heavenly Father, I felt more of a desire and need to study tithing. Is this from you? And then explore it. And then say, Heavenly Father, I've known people who have have changed up things perhaps to this effect. Heavenly Father, I've come to understand this regarding tithing and what you want from me. I have this much that I want to give 
to those that are in need around me. Will you tell me who I should give it to? Because I have it and I want to give it. And they will receive instructions that they recognize specifically from the Lord. I don't think anybody on the Doctrine of Christ channel, any of our presenters, are going to try to tell you, you need to do it like this or do it like that. It really is a matter of hear the voice of the Lord for yourself. When I took the tithing question to my Heavenly Father, I realized, Heavenly Father, I know that there are those in need, and I want to give my funds to them. I'm not rich. I usually don't have extra, but I'm going to carry a $20 bill in my wallet, and it is not mine. In accordance with what King Benjamin shared to his people, I'm not going to suffer the beggar to put his hand out in vain. Heavenly Father, will you please accept this as an offering of my funds to your children to where every single time that I see one of your children put out their hand to beg? $20 should be enough to where at fast food restaurants this day, it would get three meals depending on how it goes. Would this be acceptable to you? And I recognize the response from the Lord saying that would be acceptable. Okay. Christmas presents, I'm not going to tell anybody to do with Christmas presents, but I'm just going to, uh, Kaija, I'm going to end by saying you take it to the Lord. Tell him your desire. I want to give up any false traditions that I have. Will you please bring them to my mind? And I promise to seek your voice in how I need to change. Thank you so much for that, Kaija. I'm looking. Are there any other questions? Mark, if there are more, you can put them up on the screen. If there's somebody feeling so saucy that they want to have their voice, perhaps face show on camera, you certainly don't have to. Mark, give me the signal. If this is the time to be able to uh, simply offer for uh, a discussion, is there a link for a discussion that may be happening afterwards? No more questions? He says no more questions, exclamation mark. He didn't put it with a, with a question mark. So to continue, go to doctrineofchrist.com slash join and click the Tuesday link. I love being able to share this with you. We are in a wonderful, amazing time. Storm clouds have gathered, but we should have joy filling our hearts as we seek to follow the Lord here. So we're putting this to an end. Mark, hit that button. Join the discussion on Zoom. Go to doctrineofchrist.com slash join. Thank you. Thank you.